Hey everybody, it's Jason. Welcome or welcome back to the Mosaic Church Podcast. At the end of this podcast, please take a moment to connect with us on social media. It's a great place to learn more and to see what's happening at Mosaic. Most importantly, hope the following message encourages and inspires you to take a new step on your faith journey. Enjoy. In 2018, my wife and I sat in our living room and we just started to talk about and process this idea. I think God is asking us to start a church. And as I sat there and we're discussing, I'm like, I don't know, man. Anyone who knows me would know that I'm not a risk taker at all. Like, I'll jump off of stuff and blow stuff up risk taker. I'm not someone who is not going to put, him, put himself and his family in this place of potential disaster. I, I never thought of myself at any time of someone who would actually put himself at a place of being dependent on somebody else. Growing up, I've been 100% dependent. I'm that guy, type A, driven. Go to school, get the degree, get the job. I have my one, three, five, ten-year plan. I've got it all mapped out. I got everything you need to know. This is exactly what's going to happen here to here to here. And now we sat in our living room and said, I have no idea what we're supposed to do tomorrow. You may not know this, but four out of five church plants fail. Four out of five church plants fail. One in ten will make it to be able to sustain 100 people attending their church services. I knew the statistics. We sat down and started to talk about it. And we, as we sat there, I think the best word I could give you is fear. Terrified. Petrified. These, you understand these words, right? You've been there. Here we sat in our home and I thought, we are going to lose everything. We're going to lose our home. Our kids are going to lose their friends. We've worked so hard. We, we've, our kids have friendships and we've got relationships, and God, I can't do this all again. And I sat there. I don't think I want to do this. But circumstances, and you guys can all relate with this, circumstances of how only God can work in ways that doesn't seem natural was happening inside of our lives. And what I didn't know is that for years before 2018, God was working in my heart something that was unconventional, I had this unconventional hurt and brokenness for people who are hurt and broken. I had this idea in my heart that said, why is everybody coming to church on Sunday with fake smiles? But on Monday, they call me and say, Jason, my life is falling apart. Why can't they come on Sunday and say, our life is falling apart? Where can a church family be with me? Why was it we had these two lives that were being lived And then I started to ask the question, why was it the gospel, the hope that we have in Jesus Christ, separate from everything else in their life? I started to ask questions. I started to figure out what God was doing. And this is what I figured out God was doing. God was calling me to be a counselor. I'm like, okay, this is fantastic. I'm going to help people who are broken and hurting, going through hard things, and I can leave ministry and go make a real awesome salary. This is awesome. We're going to be able to go to Disney World, and I'm going to be able to do things. And this is before I knew how much counselors made. That's a side note. But I'm like, this is going to be so awesome. I had like, 
Ministry had been grinding me for years, but the truth is, in 2018, was everything came together. And God started to put something into my heart, started to put something in our heart, that God was asking us to do something different. As we sat there and I started to pray about this, I was so afraid. I was afraid of being alone. I'm a, I am extremely relational. I, I love relationships. I want to know people's names and stories. I don't want numbers sitting in pews. And so for the thought of me to go and do this made me so afraid. I said, Lord, I don't ever want to be alone. I'm a team guy. I love team. I love doing it together. And so when we said, God, if this is what you're calling us to do, we say yes. God has always provided. God first started by providing us with the fact we didn't have to move. God was calling us to plant in our own town. We had no idea. Next, God provided people and relationships that became lifelong friends sitting in our living room, that God provided all of these people who had the same idea. What if a church was started that reached broken, unique, lost people, made, brought together and made beautiful because of the gospel of Jesus Christ? God provided. God built a heart of us for the gospel that says we want to see people's lives transformed, not simply go into a church service. What would it look like if people so on fire for the gospel stop being afraid of even talking about Jesus, but live and speak and breathe Jesus? And so we sat in that living room as a group of families and prayed. God always provided. Then we started public services. We found through relationships, Slinger Middle School, and the excitement of getting all this equipment, which was donated to us by friends that had outside donors says, we believe in you. And we got this stuff. We rolled it in. There's a picture of us. We have rolling in the carts on our website, on our website. That was such a joyous day of like, we're moving into our location. We're going to be here for years to come. We can fit all these people in there. And then COVID hit. We were alive for five and a half months in public services and then COVID hit. But God always provided. In the midst of fears, I sat there once again with hands trembling, saying, what do we do? Where do we go? What are we supposed to do? How long is COVID going to last? What's going to happen to our world? Will churches even exist after this? Is everyone going to leave? That's always my greatest fear deep down inside. Is everyone going to leave? Do they really believe in this? Are we going to close our doors? God provided. We moved to online through unbelievable tech skills in which they're like, just do this. I'm like, okay. And so all of a sudden, we moved to online services. And I'm like, okay, well, what are we supposed to do next? And then Jennifer Miller, who owns the building, which my office says, we have a place for you, the old jerky shop across from Cabela's. God provided. And so we started meeting in public services and we started to do this. And then all of a sudden, we started to get too big and our kids are meeting in a tent. And then it got cold outside. I'm like, God, where are we supposed to put our kids' ministry? Kids' ministry is the heart, and it's a big beat of our church. Where do we put these people? And then God provided a pet cemetery down the way for our kids to meet in. <laughs> yes, I'm going to write a book someday about this. <laughs> 
God provided. But we said, God, we need to go into a new story. But let me tell you about church plants. Church plants, it takes years upon years, in most cases, to get to a place of being able to say, okay, we're moving into a permanent location. It's a huge financial burden. What do we do? Looks like public space for us is gone. What are we going to do in the future? Where are we going to go? God provided. Our team was going throughout Slinger. We're looking everywhere. We're trying to find, because we, we, we are so grateful for our location here. But again, my heart is people. I want to be where people are. I want people to walk by. I want to be in a place where there's life of community. And though I'm thankful for this place, I knew it just wasn't our home. God provided. We found the building at 206 Slinger Road, and this was an uphill battle of six months of negotiations and conversations and city meetings and all these things that they don't teach you in seminary. I know more about codes and buildings and things that I should ever know in my life. God provided. We got into the building. I said, God, this is a great building. What's it going to cost for us to get this thing going? We started to put all of our budget numbers together. We started to do and start to see things and put it all together. Because it's an old shop that needed lots of renovations, we're turning into assembly, which means you have to change your HVAC, which is all of your heating and cooling and all blah, blah, blah. The numbers were way beyond our means. $111,000. The dream was dead. What are we going to do? God provided. Once again, people stepped into the story. Once again, God brought people outside of my little mind that could ever manufacture. We had friends of 40-some churches across Wisconsin, part of our denominational family called the Alliance, give us $35,000 towards our building fund. Friends at Cross Point Church in West Dallas, just friends of ours, just relationship. Elders met and prayed and said, hey, we want to give you $10,000 towards your fund. So we started to break it into phases. We said, okay, phase one is we can at least move in and get things going. That is going to cost us $83,000. We don't have that much. We have only been around for a short time. God, what in the world am I supposed to do? I prayed for a money tree that didn't work. <laughs> we sat down and I thought about all the different ways that God has provided, and we came to this place, we didn't have $83,000. And as of this month, the entire building fund, the entire building was at a $16,000 shortfall. And we are now looking at our budget, and we're saying, we've got to take paint out. We have to take doors off. I don't know if you've ever had a project like this before. We've got to take carpeting out and flooring out. We have to take out everything. And I sat there scared again, just like I was in 2018. And at this point of the story, where you're going to, I know, because you're privy to this now, you want to scream at me. Jason, you have to remember that God provides every time. What are you afraid of? You've seen that God provided. You know that he's provided. And friends, I wish I would tell you that I did, but I didn't. I sat there on my knees and I thought, this is it. What in the world are we supposed to do now? The problem with this story is that I always want to work to find answers. That's a good thing. Leaders should work and drive and find the mountains. Here's the bad side. 
We don't ever stop and pause. We don't look backwards to see what God's done. That's one of my deficiencies as a leader. I don't stop and say, look at the pattern that God has done. I tend to just want to keep climbing that mountain. But let me tell you, friends, in this story, Jesus didn't do that this time. He made me stop. Our team stopped. And that's where I want to bring you into the story. Because we are at a budget place in which I can't see a way out of it. I can't see our way out of this one. I don't know what the answer to this is going to be. All I know is this, is that in the scriptures we see in Exodus chapter 16 that God provides for his people. There's a substance called manna. If you're not familiar with the story, I'll give you a quick backdrop. God releases his people, the Israelites who've been slaves for hundreds of years in Egypt. He frees them and says, I'm going to fulfill a promise I made to your forefather, and you're going to get a land that's perfect, milk and honey. You're going to love this land. It's a great land. And they go out, and these Israelites really mess up. And they don't trust God. And so God now takes them on a journey of 40 years of wandering, 40 years of wandering. But as soon as they come out of this place, they say this. It's fascinating. You're telling us that you took us out of this place to go starve in the desert. This is my paraphrase. Hey, God, thanks for nothing. Let's kill our leaders and go back. So that's what I thought y'all are going to do. Thank you so much. Let's kill Jason and let's go back to wherever we came from. Like, this story's over. But here they have their slaves. They say, we'd rather go back and be slaves and eat meat than die in the desert and starve. And they're grumbling and grumbling. And God says to his leader, Moses, says, I hear they're grumbling and this is what I want to tell you. I'm going to provide for them. They're going to have a substance called manna. Every day when you wake up, there'll be dew. When that dew subsides, there's going to be a manna there that's a, a substance to be eaten. They'd be made into bread. They could use it for multiple ways that would give them substance. I will provide for them and they will eat. And so sure enough, manna starts to come. But the key, the key to manna here is that God provided every day for 40 years food for them. The day that manna stopped is when they walked into this land of milk and honey. They walked into this beautiful, perfect land full of all these huge fruits, perfect land. They've got rivers and streams and fit everything they need. Then God stopped the manna, but he provided for them every single day. That's where I want to pick up the verse in Deuteronomy 8. Deuteronomy 8, verse 1 through 3, is now this reminder to the Israelites once they've now achieved and gotten to the land that was good. He says this, Be careful to follow every command I'm giving you today so that you may live and increase and may enter and possess the land the Lord promised on an oath to your ancestors. Remember how the Lord your God led you all the way in the wilderness those 40 years to humble and test you in order to know what was in your heart, whether or not you'd keep his commands. He humbled you, causing you to hunger, then feeding you with manna, which neither you nor your ancestors had known, to teach you that man does not live on bread alone, but on the very word that comes from the mouth of God. The Lord gives a warning. Hold on here. Do not forget what this has been like. The Lord has taken care of you. And it goes on in Deuteronomy 8, now 10 through 18. When you have eaten and are satisfied, he's talking about the new land, praise the Lord your God for the good land he has given you. Be careful that you do not forget the Lord your God, failing to observe his commands, his laws, his decrees that I'm giving to you this day. Otherwise, when you eat and are satisfied, when you build fine houses and settle down, and when your herds and flocks grow large and your silver and gold increases, and all you have is multiplied, then your heart will become proud 
and you'll forget the Lord your God who brought you out of Egypt, out of the land of slavery. He led you through the vast and dreadful wilderness, that thirsty and waterless land with its venomous snakes and scorpions. He brought you water out of a hard rock. He gave you manna to eat in the wilderness, something your ancestors had never known, to humble and test you so that the end might go well with you. You may say to yourself, my power and my strength of my hands have produced this wealth for me. But remember the Lord your God, for it is he who gives you the ability to produce wealth and so confirms his covenant, which he swore to you on your ancestors, as it is today. How easy it is when you start to win to say, I'm the winner. How easy it is to say, look at everything we've accomplished and say, look at what we've done. How easy it is as you take steps forward to say, look at us. That's never been the story of Mosaic. Every single story of our team has been this. We need God to provide manna today. My 13510 plan has been blown out to 24-hour plan. God, what are you doing today? I dream of the future. I point towards the mountains. I say there's great things. I want to drive towards things that I think God's calling us to, but I still keep. Because for me and my story, now God has a light that he clicks. He turns it on and shows me only the path stone that's before me to take one step forward. My light does not go further than the step before me. The food is not more that I can gather. Because the story of man, if you gathered up more than that day, it tells us it rots and that maggots would come. Unless it was on the Sabbath day, the day before the Sabbath, they would go double portions so they didn't work on the day and could rest. Otherwise, anything more that they gathered, and of course they did it, because I'm going to take as much as I can, God was proving you need to rely on me every single day. Two weeks ago, our executive team met to discuss our shortfall in our budget. We sat down and I said, guys, I have no idea what we're supposed to do. We don't have paint on walls. I don't even know what's going to happen. Let me add one more caveat to you, because you friends don't know this. The location that we're in right now has been leased out to somebody else. That in some time in April or so, this location we're currently in is no longer available to us. And rightfully so. We're here as a gift. We're here. I mean, they, I'm so excited for them to be able to lease it out. At the same time, like, I'm so excited for you. What do we do? So I sit down and say, okay, time is ticking. We have maybe a month left in this location. This other location is not going to happen, but we're out of money. And I'm sitting there just wringing my hands. And the executive team were, had all these ideas. And one of our members says, the story of God and Mosaic has never been straight. It has ups and downs and lefts and rights. And this is what I'm telling you. We need to stop and we need to pray. And so as an executive team, the leadership team that we have, we all stopped and we called our church to prayer and fasting, which you may have heard about or seen through our weekly emails. That now until Easter, we're going to stop and pray and ask God to do amazing things. That's how we started. That's how we're going to keep going. The very beginning of our story, back in that living room as we sat there and just started to pray, we knew God was asking something huge of us to not just be another church in Washington County. Washington County doesn't need another church. It needed a different type of church. God was calling us to be a church that focuses on making disciples that make disciples that make disciples. Gospel-focused, gospel-driven, gospel 
driven disciples. And we need to be in a place to reach lost, broken people who are far from God, equip and train the saints to go and share the good news of Jesus Christ. That's it. All the other stuff, I don't know. We'll figure that out as we go. We got to make disciples reach lost people. And so when we sat there and praying about it, our team says we need to go to prayer and fasting. We come up to this name of God called Jehovah Jireh, the, the Lord will provide. It's a name of God in which God provided Abraham was going to be called to sacrifice his son and the Lord brought a sacrificial ram to take his place. He's given his name Jehovah Jireh. The Lord will provide. Jehovah Jireh says, and when there doesn't seem to be a way, the Lord is going to provide a way. Two days after we called our team to stop and pray, I got an email that said, hey, we've been talking about this. We want to do something cool. We want to offer $4,000 to Mosaic Church and then price match that up to $4,000. So we're going to double people's gifts in March. So whatever they give, we're going to give. We're going to double the gifts of, of people to the building fund. Oh, I said, well, well, not that great at math, but that's $8,000. Oh, my word. Okay. One day after that, we get an unsolicited call from a, a church friend, the pastor of Wellspring Church in Hartford, good friend of mine who's been in this story with us from day one. He says, Jason, our elders, uh, we saw you guys are going. So the elders came, we met together, we prayed. We just feel God's calling us to give you $5,000 for your building fund. Okay, I'm doing the math here. So if we have people give to this, we double $8,000, $5,000. Okay, we're at $13,000. We talk to our electrician. The electrician, we see, he's like, hey, guys, uh, I'll be willing to do a payment plan for you guys, and we can go through the end of the year to help kind of spread out the cost for you. So the upfront cost now puts us at phase one being able to be completed. And I sat there, and I said, Jehovah Jireh, the Lord will provide. How do I ever doubt the Lord God Almighty? Why do you? Why do we? The Lord will provide. When there's not a way, he makes a way. Jehovah Jireh, the Lord will provide. From the beginning of our story as a church family to now to the future, the Lord will provide. I'm not saying I've liked this journey. What I said is that there's manna on the ground and the Lord says, take and eat. Friends, we can all relate to this story when it seems that there's no way and God provides a way in your life. The Lord will provide. When it seems that there's no way, when you're stuck at that place, my first guttural, terrible instinct is to freak out. I go to that place of trying to find answers and work my way out of a situation. Friends, I want to share with you you have an amazing executive team who says, let us go to prayer. Let us get on our knees and ask. A simple pause. Was Jesus waiting for us the whole time? Was the Spirit calling to us and saying, pray? There's so many questions I have and all I say is, I don't know. But what I do know is Jehovah Jireh, the Lord will provide. Friends, we're going to go to a time of worship. I'm asking that this worship feels a little different for you right now as you hear our story and you relate it to your story. I'm not saying things have gone the way that you wanted. It's been comfortable. What I'm saying to you is the Lord will provide. 
I cannot think of time in my story in which I've said, this is so unbelievably easy. I would church plant a thousand times more. The Lord will provide. Once again, thank you so much for listening. If you live in Southeast Wisconsin, we'd love to connect with you at our weekend gathering for service time, directions, and to learn more about our vision to ignite a movement of love that transforms our community and the world. Visit us at mosaicwi.com.